0: So last Sunday, for those of you who were
1: here, I preached on uh, Right Now. You remember? Right now. Right now, God is blessing me. Right now, He's with me. And I talked about seeing a bumper sticker that said, God is blessing me right now. I said, I'd looked for 40 years and I'd never seen one of those bumper stickers. Somebody brought me a bumper sticker. God is blessing me right now. Now, I don't think they found that. I think Did you create this or did you find it? You created it. Alright. End of a 40-year search right here. God is blessing me right now. Yeah. Amen. He's blessing all of us whether we know it or not. And He's doing it right now. Uh, this morning, I'm beginning a series of messages... Entitled Visitations. And this will just be the introduction. We'll just scratch the surface this morning, but it'll get us started. The Bible from the beginning to the end deals with visitations. Those spiritual visitations where heaven and earth meet and amazing things take place. Isn't that what we want? Now, the purpose of this whole series will be this, to stir up a desire within our hearts for visitations from above, visitations from heaven. How long has it been since you had a visitation? How long has it been since you heard the voice of the Lord and you knew God was speaking to you? Now, Just so we'll all be on the same page, I wrote out a definition for visitations. Now, this is the definition that will work for this study. A visitation is any time and any way in which God speaks to you, gets your attention, reveals Himself or His glory, illuminates His Word, gives divine direction or comfort, performs a miracle or just shows up in your life. Now, that's just kind of a real broad uh, definition, but that's what we're going to be talking about through this series. Again, I'm hoping and praying that something will be stirred up in every one of us, and we will long for, seek for, and desire interaction and visitations from above. Now, the Bible does say that it is a wicked and perverse generation that seeks after a sign. And that is true. Jesus said that. And what Jesus was saying is if you need a sign, a wonder, a miracle, a marvel, if you need something like that to happen in order for you to believe, then that's a, a wicked and a perverse generation. And and Jesus said, nah, that's not going to happen. No sign is going to be given for that. And I want to tell you, I have even prayed for people in the past that were unbelievers, and I pray, God, do something for them. Perform a miracle, a sign, or wonder. Just do something, Lord, so that they will believe in You. And those prayers are mostly unanswered because it's a wicked and perverse generation that seeks after a sign. I don't believe anybody here is seeking after a sign. You wouldn't be here. Uh, and so, remember that now. But on the other hand, I want you to understand that it is a holy generation that loves Jesus, that loves and longs for His Word, that loves and longs for His presence. It is a holy generation that desires a close encounter with the God we love. Oh, that's a holy generation. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. And as we shall see in this study... The Bible doesn't just talk about visitations. The Bible promises visitations. Now, <clears throat> I want to stop right here and kind of bring you up to speed. What I'm about to share with you is going to cover about 25 years. And so it's a long time. It won't take me that long to do this, but uh, but I want to give you the journey. Uh This church has been on an incredible journey. And I have pastored this congregation. Some of you, I've been your pastor for 33 years. And I just want to thank you. I mean, I can't believe you put up with me that long. I'm serious. Thank you. I love every one of you. But it's been an incredible journey, and it's been up and down at times like a roller coaster. If we go all the way back to the beginning... When I became the pastor of this congregation, we were a strong and stable church, but we didn't have a great deal of freedom. We were pretty confined. It was a good church and people were getting saved, but boy, we were, we were confined. And we didn't have a lot of liberty. I really remember a, a few people started clapping something would happen. We do it all the time now, don't we? They'd, they'd clap, and that was frowned upon. I actually had leadership in the church to come and talk to me and say, we shouldn't be clapping in church. We shouldn't clap. That's something the world does. We shouldn't do it. I, may I share with you that we should never let the world take something away from us. Never. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, thank you for clapping. And uh, but even even though I was uh, uh, criticized a little bit for allowing such behavior in the church, we didn't stop. And and then a few people started raising their hands. Man, I was uncomfortable. And, and and we had some people that just didn't like that. That was too much like those charismaniacs. And uh, so I got talked to about that. And then, lo and behold, we had one service where up in the balcony, we were in another building now uh, at that time, up in the balcony, the spirit moved, and we had a woman up in the balcony that just started shouting. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord just got on her and she started shouting. Now, if we're in a worship service around here and you start shouting, more than likely, nobody's going to hear you because everybody else is shouting and rejoicing. But I got called on the carpet for this one. You have to stop that kind of behavior. And we won't even talk about dancing when somebody wanted to start dancing. And I can tell you, there's a lot of worldly, ungodly, seductive dancing going on out there. But the Bible does talk about dancing before the Lord. And it bothered me in those early days that we had restrictions placed upon us so that we did not have the freedom to do what the Bible not only teaches us we can do, but tells us we should do. The Bible clearly says, clap your hands unto the Lord, all ye people. It's a sign of worship when you clap your hands. And by the way, the Bible says, esteem others highly in the Lord to build them up. And when the glory of God is flowing in and through somebody, for us to put our hands together and say, to God be the glory. Oh, that was awesome. Nothing wrong with it. Raising your hands. That mentioned a number of times in the Bible. I would that people pray everywhere lifting holy hands unto the Lord, the Apostle Paul said. It's biblical. And then the Bible clearly says, shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. I, I believe the Bible is letting us know that when it comes to our faith, we shouldn't be bashful. We shouldn't be inhibited. That we should be able to express our faith. And sometimes that involves shouting. Well, that all bothered me that we didn't have the liberty to do that. And then a revival broke out in Pensacola, Florida called the Brownsville Revival that I did not want to go to. And and yet the time came where I went to that revival and ended up going maybe 40 times or more. I don't remember how many times, but I would drive over there and revival and we would hear evangelist Steve Hill and there was one word that we heard every time we went over there if you ever went to Brownsville you heard this word you heard it over and over and over again and it's the word more they would pray for people all over the house and they'd run around and lay hands on them and say more 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 God give them more more of you, more of your word, yeah. more freedom, yeah. more liberty. On, and I was real skeptical of more <laughs> until somebody laid hands on me and said, More. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when I ended up on the floor. <laughs> and, uh, but so, so we got it. We got. We, We got the revelation that there is more. And church, I want to tell you, there's always more. Our God is too big. He can't be confined. He can't be defined. There's always more. And we got it. We got more. And we got free. We did we got too free. We went from no freedom to crazy freedom. I I mean we were it, it was pandemonium at times around this church. We quickly developed a reputation in the county as the crazy church in the county. I'm convinced that people showed up to come to church with us just to see how crazy we were. And we didn't disappoint them. There were times when I was stepping over bodies just to preach. Uh, order? There was absolutely no order in the house. We went crazy. It, 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 you never knew what was going to happen. And, and we... Leadership. myself. We knew we had to do something. And so we started the process of getting things in order. And yes, we rejoiced in the fact that there was more, much more, there's always more. And we rejoiced in the freedom that we found in Christ, that wonderful, glorious, heavenly freedom. But the Bible clearly says in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, let everything be done decently and in order. You can have more, you can have freedom, and you can have it in order. In fact, if you don't, something is wrong. And so in the process of making the corrections, pulling us out of being crazy, back into things being done decently and in order, we pulled back a little too far. And we lost some of the excitement that we had. We were still a good church. People were still getting saved. But it got a little boring. It got a little dull. And uh, so we went back to work again. It, you know, sometimes in life, you make a mistake and you go over here. And then to correct it, you go all the way over here and you make another mistake. And we just, you, you have to keep making those corrections. And so step by step we started growing up in the Lord. Step by step we started maturing in the Lord. We we knew that there was more and we knew there was freedom, but we also knew that there's a maturity. And you have to have maturity. And so here we are today. Now, I'm not insinuating that we're where we should be. We've still got a lot of growing to do. There's always a lot more. But praise God, we are free from legalism. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God, we're free from unbiblical traditions. I don't think we'll ever let anybody else tell us that we can't do something the Bible tells us we can do. And praise God, we're free to worship. We're free to celebrate our faith. And we're free to make changes under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. By the way, the way we did it yesterday may not be the way the Lord wants us to do it today. You have to have freedom to do that. We have freedom to obey His Word, freedom to seek Him with all of our hearts. But listen, but we do not have freedom to do anything we want to do. We don't. We are set free in order to be slaves. One more time, we're set free in order to be slaves. I didn't make that up. Listen to 1 Peter 2.16. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. You've been set free from the world. You've been set free from sin. You've been set free from the traditions of men. But you're not free to do anything you want to do. You're free to be a slave to God, His Word, His teachings, His standards. That's the freedom we have. Freedom to be slaves of God. That's our freedom. Now I said all that because I need to make a commitment to you. I'm going to make a twofold commitment right now. And you'll need to remember this as we go through this series. First part of the commitment is this. We are never, ever, ever going back to dead religion bound by man-made rules and regulations. We're never going back. If you want a dead church, This is not the church for you. We will gladly recommend some churches and move your membership. We're not going back to being a dead church. Here's the second part of the commitment. We are never going back to crazy, out of control, so-called freedom that ignores the teachings of the Bible. We're never going back there. If you're looking for a church that gets all worked up into a frenzy and explodes into chaos and confusion where everybody's doing whatever they want to do, this is not the church for you. I've actually had people come into this church. I've had several situations like this. But I had one family come into this church. Told me. This is what they told me. We we get filled with the Holy Spirit every now and then. And we just take over. And there will be times we're going to interrupt you right in the middle of your message. There are going to be times we're going to stop the song service. There are going to be times we're going to interrupt everything that's going on in the house. The Holy Spirit's going to hit us, and we're just going to take over. Do you understand, Pastor? I said, yes, I do. Thank you for sharing with me. And do you understand that there will never be a time when you will ever walk back through the doors of our church? You think I'm joking? I'm not. I said, Don't ever come back. I'm going to tell the ushers to turn you away at the door. You don't get to come back. You don't get to bring disorder into the house of God. You don't get to do what you want to do when you want to do it. There's order, there's protocol, there's a way for things to be done. They called me, they were all upset. I said, go somewhere else. There are churches that would love to have you. There are churches that don't think they've had church until everybody goes crazy. This is not that church. Now, I'm just just being straightforward with you. These are things you probably don't have to think about, but I have to think about as a pastor. We are never going back to being a dead church, and we're never going back to being a crazy church. We're never going back. We've spent too much time in both of those camps. And I don't want to go back to either one of those camps. Do you? I don't want dead and I don't want crazy. I don't want a church that runs more people off than it reaches. The sweet presence of the Holy Spirit will set you free, but it will draw you into something that will eliminate things in your life and bring you into holy communion with the Lord and with His people. And it does not create confusion. So we're not going back. We're going forward. And here's where we're going. We're going after the deep things of our God. We're going after close encounters with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our God, our Father. We're going to seek for close encounters with Him. We're going after visitations from heaven. The whole purpose of this series I'm about to preach to you and share with you over the next four, five, six weeks will be this, that you need to personally long for visitations from above. And that you need to pray and long for visitations upon this whole body of Christ where God visits us and does what only He can do. Uh, We're going after the things of God's Word that whatever the Bible tells us we can have and embrace and live in and celebrate, we're going after that. Not a freedom to do as we please, but a freedom to go after the things that the Bible says should be a reality in our lives. So, Having said that, and you might need to reflect back on these remarks as we go through these, these series, this series. Now back to our subject, visitations. It's all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, it's about visitations. It's about heaven and earth meeting. It's about interaction between a spiritual world and a physical world. The book of Genesis opens up with visitations. Uh, The book of Revelation ends with visitations, multiple visitations, and they're all in between, visitations. One passage in the Old Testament says, I will visit you and perform my good works and my good word toward you. Another passage of Scripture says, The Lord had visited his, His people by giving them bread. I pull these because it actually has the word visit or visitation in it. They heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel. See, when God visits, people know it. Uh, The Bible says the Lord visited Sarah. The Bible says the Lord visited Hannah. In the book of Psalms, we're told that God visits the earth. Doesn't that make sense? God created it, didn't He? It's His creation. We'll we'll talk about this in depth during the series, but sometimes God just visits. We'll read about those times where God walked in the camp among the children of Israel. Why wouldn't He walk in the camp among His own church? He visits the earth. The psalmist also said that God visited Him in the night season. And then in the New Testament, we read these words For he has visited and redeemed his people. And, and, and as we get closer to Christmas, we'll really talk about this the greatest visitation of all. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. The greatest of all visitations. But it says, For he has visited and redeemed his people. I don't want to disappoint you, but when it says His people, it's not talking about you. It's not talking about me. When it says He has visited and redeemed His people, it's talking about the nation of Israel. It's not talking about you. But don't get your feelings hurt. Because in the book of Acts, it says God has now visited the Gentiles to take out a people for His namesake. God is a visiting God. I've been trying to make a list of all the visits that I could find. Brother Charles has been helping me. We started in Genesis and we're trying to go all through the Bible and and make a list of every time there was a visit, a visitation, and we're just mind-boggled at this point. There's so many of them. I'm convinced that God wants to visit us and commune with us and fellowship with us. Now, I've heard it said, and you've probably heard this too, that we as Christians don't need a visitation because we already have a habitation. Meaning, Jesus inhabits us. He lives within us. And that is true. And and that is a pretty neat play on words. We don't need a visitation because we have a habitation. But the fact is, that's just not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. And, and I'll just give you three examples this morning to kind of let you know that no matter how close you walk with the Lord, no matter how sure you are that He lives in your heart, visitations can be in your future. Let's take John, for example. The Apostle John sat in the lap of Jesus. He was the youngest of the disciples. Um, He walked with the Lord. He was there when the Bible says he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Saved. A disciple. An apostle. Born again, if you please. New life with Christ living in him. And John has all these visitations. After that, even in the book of Revelation, Simon Peter was there on the day of Pentecost when there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Simon Peter got up and led thousands to salvation because he was saved. He was obedient. He was walking with the Lord. And yet Simon Peter, and I'll be showing these to you, Simon Peter has these visitations after that. And then the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul saved, transformed on the Damascus Road. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, ordained of God, called and chosen of God. And then the Apostle Paul has these visitations throughout the rest of his life. We're taught as Christians in the book of Hebrews. Listen to this now. We're taught in the book of Hebrews. uh, Can I just stop and ask you? You really do believe the Bible, don't you? Yes. All right. So we're taught in the book of Hebrews to be hospitable. And receive strangers because God just might send one of His angels to visit with you. You don't want to mess that up, do you? God might send one of His messenger angels to communicate with you. And by the way, throughout this series, you're going to hear a lot of testimonies about angels. And I have never heard one that didn't have a point to it. They bring comfort. They bring direction. They bring consolation. They bring a holy awareness that God is saying something to these people. And then if there's one passage of Scripture in the whole Bible that should overwhelmingly convince all of us that we can and should be experiencing visitations, it's this one, John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and, with me now, manifest myself to him. We're not talking about a lost, heathen, rebellious, ungodly person. We're talking about those who love the Lord and walk with Him and keep His commandments and hunger and thirst after righteousness He says, I will manifest myself to Him. Manifestations of the glory of God. How will He do it? That's His business, not mine. But Jesus said, if you love Me, you'll keep My commandments. And if you love Me and keep My commandments, you're going to have some experiences where I manifest Myself and My glory to you. Brother Charles, would you join me on stage? I asked Brother Charles to do this. He said no. And then he said he didn't want to come up on stage. And I said, no, you're going to come up on stage. And then he tried to talk me out of it again today. I said, no. He's got a story he wants to tell you. And before he talks, I want to, I want to make an appeal to you. How many of you think it's possible that at some point in your life, you've entertained an angel. Hold your hand up. Okay. Now here's the deal. You can be like Charles and say no. Or you can share. And I believe if God, unless He told you not to tell anybody, and sometimes I think the Lord lets things happen to us and says don't tell. This is just between us. But they're going to... Many other types of visitation. How many of you feel like you've ever had a spiritual dream where God spoke to you in the night season? Hold your hand up. The Bible says that we are to encourage one another. The Bible Bible teaches us that we're to build each other up. I need those of you who have raised your hands, whether it's a dream. I'm going to talk to you in a moment about the illumination of His Word. But if you've received a visitation from heaven above, then I need you to share it with me. I, I need you to send me a text. Give me a call. I need you to share it with me. And if you're willing, I won't make you do it. Charles finally agreed. Uh, I, won't, I won't make you do it. If you don't want to get up here, I'll tell your story for you. But I want this congregation... I I'm sh- Are you shocked at how many hands were raised out here? I mean, my goodness. God is visiting, isn't He? He's speaking, he's leading, he's comforting, he's communicating. And I believe we can take that to a new level in this church. So I need to hear from you because every Sunday I want some, one or two people to get up here and to share a visitation they've had. Brother Charles, tell us about what happened to you.
2: You know, the Bible does say that we need to be careful how we treat people because sometimes we entertain angels unaware. That's right. So I'm going to tell you a story. I, uh, I preface it just a little bit to let you know where I was. It was probably in the late 90s. I had gone through a lot of, a lot of trouble in my life, a divorce, uh, I lost a career, uh, lost uh, uh, my ability to pastor church anymore because of the denomination I was serving in, uh, having problems visiting and having my son... Uh, In my house, I was always troubled. Anyway, a lot of trauma had taken place in my life, Uh, along with the time of the fact that I had had a mental and emotional breakdown uh, uh, on the job and I had to be taken out uh, by uh, uh, medical people uh, uh, because I was suffering from PTSD, from war trauma. So, a lot of trouble in my life. I finally got things stable. I I, I had uh, maintained a a kind of a tumultuous relationship with the Lord, but it was a relationship. I found myself at at Christian Heritage Church over in the northern part of uh, Leon County. I was serving there. I was teaching, uh, at that time, a a group of young college men uh, leading a Bible study, uh, on uh sunday mornings and and sometimes Sunday nights, uh we would do it two times uh, on sunday but but uh these men were dedicated to the Lord, they loved the Lord, they wanted to know more about the Lord and God uh was using them in a in a great way to restore me also uh to help me to stabilize my life so uh frequently we would go down on Tennessee Street in Tallahassee. On Friday night or Saturday night, which if you've ever been down in that part of of Tallahassee on Friday night or Saturday night, you know what goes on down there. The people drunk staggering up and drunk students up and down the streets, and so they wanted they loved to go down there and take Bibles with them, leaflets with them, and stop and witness to people and talk to people about the Lord. So we we met all of us together in, at a, a Parking lot uh, at a local bank in that area. We gathered together, we prayed together, and then they took off down about ten of them down the down the sidewalk down to uh, uh, toward FSU campus, uh, talking to people, witnessing to people, and I just kind of followed along with them and uh, and made sure that everybody was uh, off at a good start. And as I was going down that section of uh, Tennessee Street where Monroe Street crosses. There is uh, there is some buildings there, and and there are little alcoves, little side entrances into those buildings that down going down Tennessee Street, and so when I walked down the street, I looked over and there was a, a woman sitting uh, in an alcove. She w- was a typical homeless woman. She had on an old ragged hat with a brim on it, and she was dressed in in a baggy. Uh, kind of a dirty-looking coat, and she had a bag over on her side. So typical, what you would think a typical homeless person would be. So I, I, I stopped. Hold your mic closer. Hold your mic closer. Uh, I stopped to talk to her for a few minutes, and, and 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 she got my attention. There was something different about this person. It wasn't long before, as I told Henry, she I thought she had been reading my mail, I thought she maybe had been listening in on my phone phone conversations, or maybe knew what I had you know. Maybe somehow she knew who I was, because she was telling me things that that nobody else. Hmm. Nobody else. Things that I had not revealed, not even to my son. Problems that I had had, traumas that I had went through. And she was just talking about him, and 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 it was almost like something began. I, I don't know how to describe this, brother, brother Henry. Something began just to kind of seep out of me. It was almost like something was inside of me that was that didn't need to be there, and it was coming out. You know, it was that kind of conversation. And and as quickly as that happened, she stopped talking. And for whatever reason, I, I, I felt like I had to get away from that. So I walked down the sidewalk, and then when I realized what had happened to me, I said, wait, 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 just a minute. How How is that possible? How could she know th- those things? And so I walked back up, turned around and walked back up to where she was sitting in the little alcove on the steps to ask her how she knew that. And you might have guessed it; she wasn't there. Uh, and it took me a while to realize I'd been talking to an angel. Uh, and and she brought more relief to my life than I'd ever I had felt in years and years and years. So, brother, Amen. Amen.
1: Come on, I'll help you down. Mm -hmm. When you you see Brother Charles staggering around, he's not drunk. (laughs) He has a, a real problem with his legs. You know, I asked Brother Charles when he first told me that story. I said, was that a defining moment? Was that the moment that healing began? Was that the moment that you knew God still loved you and cared for you? And he said, yes. That was the moment that turned everything around. And uh, uh, God loves us. And by the way, this is what it says. You can find this in Hebrews chapter 1. It says this. It, it, it says, are they not all, talking about angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister on behalf of those who are heirs of salvation? God has ministering spirits. And so, uh, He sent one to minister to you. We're going to hear a lot more angel stories before this is over with. And I hope it creates a longing in your heart. You guys are going to start being nicer to strangers than you've ever been in your whole life. It's going to change the way you deal with people. And so, uh, now, I, I want to <clears throat> I want to share uh, a visitation that I believe saved my life. And then I'll close with this, but it'll give you some idea of where we're going. I had a, I had a visitation that I really do believe saved my life. Uh, not too long after we got to the dome here, I got sick. And to be honest with you, I think it was uh, spiritual and physical. And I ended up in the emergency room. Uh, I received some bad reports from the doctors. I felt like I was dying. It was so bad that I met with the church board and asked for a leave of absence. I I remember the board, for some reason, met that night out in uh, the foyer out here and made a circle and I asked for a leave of absence and for a month I didn't show up. And... I decided I'd find a place where I could pray, a place where nobody could find me. And I did. I found a place. And I started going to that place every day, and I would pray for an hour or two, and some days I'd spend all day long. I was seeking Lord. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but I honestly felt like I was dying. I felt like I was dying physically. I felt like I was dying spiritually. I was in a wilderness. I was going through what some of the theologians call the dark night of the soul. I certainly wasn't fit to to minister to anybody. And I cried out to the Lord day after day. I cried out to the Lord. And then one day, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart. And by the way, if the Spirit of the Lord speaks to your heart, guess what? You just had a visitation. We don't have to make too much out of it, do we? That's a visitation. You may not see anything, but that's a visitation. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart and said to me, read the book of Hosea. Well, I'd read the book of Hosea before, and I thought, what in the world do I need to read the book of Hosea for? And what I found out was, as I read through the book of Hosea several times, is that was one of the biggest messes you'll ever find in the Old Testament. Man, you talking about a bad situation. I mean, there was confusion, and worldliness, and ungodliness, and just a mess. And what I realized as I was reading the book of Hosea is that our God can show up and turn a mess into music. He can bring redemption. He can bring salvation. If if you are in a terrible mess right now, just read the book of Hosea. It will convince you that God can take one of the worst situations in all of life and bring redemption through it. And even bring glory to God. But you have to turn to Him with all your heart. Well, anyway, I was reading the book of Hosea, and I was just reading through the book. Again, I'd done it several times, and I found myself at one verse, Hosea thirteen 14. We'll pull it up. Hosea thirteen fourteen. This is what it says. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. I read that verse. I'm sure you've had this happen if you've read your Bible very long. When I read that verse, it was like it was in bold print. It was like it was illuminated. It was like it jumped up off the page. It was like it went into my heart and gripped the depth of my soul. I saw it. I couldn't get away from it. I'd read it many times before, but now... It was something that God was saying to me. I was receiving a visitation through the illuminated Word of God. God was communicating with me. Now, you may read that verse and it may not mean anything to you, but I read it and it meant everything to me. And you see, the Bible's written for all of us, isn't it? But you can read this Bible that's meant for all of us and God has a way of taking one verse, one word, one statement, one phrase and lifting it out and gripping your heart and teaching you something. Getting you through a hard time. Getting you through something you don't think you can get through. And I found myself in this one verse and I personalized it. And by the way, I want you to just leave it up for a while. This is what I, what, what I, I started praying like this. Oh God! Ransom me from the power of the grave. Oh God, redeem me from death. Now by the way, I know very well, according to the Bible, one day I'm going to die. But I want to die when God's ready for me to die, not when the devil's ready for me to die. That's when I want to die. And I've seen people step out into eternity and it'd be one of the most beautiful things you can possibly imagine. But I didn't feel like I was there. I felt like I was under attack from the enemy. I felt like I was under a physical attack and a spiritual attack. And I began to pray, Lord, ransom me from the power of the grave. Redeem me from death. And, and then I started praying. I took the last part of that verse and I, I started praying, Oh God, put to death that thing that's trying to put me to death. Look at that last part. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Oh God, this physical thing, this spiritual thing, this attack that I'm under right now that I've been battling with. Oh God, I'm asking You to have no pity on this thing that's trying to destroy my life that's trying to take me down physically and spiritually, have no pity, ransom me from the power of the grave, redeem me from death, be the plague against that thing that's trying to plague me. I pray, Father, that you have no mercy on this thing. And I want to tell you, much like it wasn't as dramatic as what we just heard from Charles, but I'm going to tell you that verse, I started healing right at that moment the life started coming back into me. I'd received a Word from God. By the way, friends, if Simon Peter can walk on the Word, and you do know he didn't walk on the water. He walked on the Word. You try to get out and walk on water without God giving you a Word. That's not going to work. If Simon Peter could walk on the Word, when God gives you a Word, you can walk on it. You can stand on it. You can rejoice in it. You can celebrate in it. I received revelation from heaven. I received a visitation through the illumination of God's Word and it began to change everything in me. And all of a sudden, physically and spiritually and mentally and emotionally, I started coming back to life. And 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 by the way, I've shared that passage of Scripture with hundreds of people that I felt like needed to look at death in the face and say... <laughs> Oh God, ransom me from the power of the grave. Redeem me from death. And and God has used that. Now, I want to close with this. I don't think that visitation in that private place, that secret place where I was going to pray, I don't believe that just happened. I believe there was a reason it happened. And I believe there's a biblical reason it happened. And I believe every time you receive a visitation from God, every time there's an illumination of the Word or an encounter with a stranger that reads your mail, I believe every time that happens, there's a reason for it. And here's the reason. Here it is. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. There are some blessings from heaven. There's some interaction from heaven above. There's some visitations and revelations that will never happen until you start asking, until you start seeking, until you start knocking at heaven's door and saying, God, I have got to have You. I've got to have You get involved in my life. Amen. I pray that every heart here today And as we go through this series, we'll be filled with a desire for ongoing interaction and visitations from above. Would you bow with me in prayer, please?
0: Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.